Welcome to the March 4th, 2019 edition of the Crypto.IQ Daily Radio Show, where we do a deep dive market analysis every day and cover the biggest stories in the Bitcoin and crypto space. This is your host, Space Marine, live from space. So Bitcoin has been declining since yesterday evening. And it went from a little over $3,800 down to as low as $3,670 this morning before sunrise. And currently is just above $3,700. So that's about a $100 drop since yesterday evening. And this has brought us down to the support level of $3,700, which held up about February 27th when it was last tested. And it's been in place since that February 24th dump when Bitcoin went from $4,200 down to about $3,700. Well, right now, it is a support level, but it is getting eaten up a bit because the trading action is so close to the support level that there's sell orders going into the support level and weakening it. That's how support levels work. Basically, a support level is a bunch of buy orders, and as the sell orders plunge into the buy orders, there's less buy orders and the support level weakens. It's possible that the support level will fail, but that remains to be seen. Uh, the resistance level is about $3,900, and then the real resistance level is like $4,200. And that's the one that we have not been able to break since December. So it's been tested in December, January, and February. And $4,200 is the level to watch to see if we could have a real bull run for Bitcoin. And then the long-term support level is $3,100, also been in place since December. If Bitcoin breaks below $3,700, it might be on its way to $3,100. Of course, there's some smaller local support levels before $3,100. Like $3,300 was a support level for a while, maybe like a month or two ago. So we'll see what happens, but it's just a generally bearish day on the crypto market. Most cryptocurrencies are down this morning, at least all the major cryptocurrencies. Ethereum's down 5.5%. It's uh, at $127. So Ethereum has declined since the Constantinople slash St. Petersburg hard fork. Yes, it was good that the fork happened and the anxiety is gone and we don't have to talk about the fork anymore. The fork lowered block rewards from 3 Ether to 2 Ether, which has been bad for Ethereum miners, at least in the long run, because the difficulty bomb was going off, block times were over 20 seconds, and mining revenue was drastically declining. So now block times are back to 14 seconds, but there's less reward per block and this is part of the long-term plan to get rid of ethereum miners they're planning on going to proof of stake or some sort of hybrid of proof of work and proof of stake eventually the next fork will be about one year from now because the difficulty bomb goes off every 12 months there might be a soft fork before that for prog pow and that will be another contentious issue where they're trying to make asics less efficient or outright ban asics and asics are application specific integrated circuits and they're the most efficient mining machines. And apparently there's a large GPU community, which is graphic processing unit. And ASICs basically make GPUs obsolete. So Ethereum developers are setting with the GPU people and saying, yeah, let's just like make the ASICs obsolete and then GPUs will thrive. The general trend with Ethereum is some more centralization because the difficulty bomb gives the developers power to do a fork like once every year. Because once that difficulty bomb starts going off, everyone kind of has to agree on doing a fork. Or Ethereum would die, the block times would become so long that the transaction fees would skyrocket, there'd be no mining revenue, eventually the network would stop. So the developers have power to fork once a year, and that's when they pull out all the stuff they want to do, such as transitioning to proof of stake, even though the mining community would never approve of that, because that's the end of the mining community. 
Moving on with the market analysis, Ripple is down almost 3% this morning. It has only declined since getting added to Coinbase. Usually when a cryptocurrency is added to Coinbase, like a major one like Ripple, it would like rally long-term and go up a lot. In this case, Ripple did not have any positive effect from getting added to Coinbase. So the Coinbase effect does not apply for all cryptocurrencies, and the Coinbase effect is when that cryptocurrency rallies getting added to Coinbase. Like Ethereum rallied, Litecoin rallied, Bitcoin Cash rallied when they were added to Coinbase in the past. Ripple has only gone down. EOS, down almost 9%. EOS is having a very bad morning. It's almost leading the drop this morning. It It's now below a $3 billion market cap. And now Litecoin is down 5%. So Litecoin's been one of the strongest over the past couple of months. Litecoin went up 100% since the bear market low. So I guess that's the past three months. Since the bear market low, Litecoin went up 100%. But this morning it's down 5%. So it's generally a red bad bear morning on the crypto market even cryptocurrencies that have been performing strongly like litecoin are going down a lot this morning bitcoin cash down five and a half percent in general bitcoin cash has been performing poorly since that fork in november that created bitcoin sv then again sometimes on green rally days bitcoin cash does go up significantly but right now it's at 124 dollars. it was over 600 dollars before that fork in mid-november Binance coin is down almost 2%. So Binance coin has been rallying a lot though. The biggest news with Binance coin market wise is it has now passed Tron and Stellar in market cap. It's barely passed Stellar though. Like it would just take the slightest movement up by Stellar or down by Binance coin for Stellar to take back that number eight spot. But right now Binance coin is number eight on coin market cap with a market cap of 1.6 billion ahead of Stellar and Tron and Bitcoin SV. So Binance coin has been climbing up the ranks and that's as the Binance Dex mainnet launch approaches no one knows exactly when that date is yet but the testnet is live and people are testing it out and then when the mainnet goes live it might become the big biggest decentralized exchange in the world so um moving down the list stellar is down 1.1 percent tron down six and a half percent tron was one of the best performers not like a month ago but maybe a few months ago tron was performing very strongly but Right now it's down six and a half percent. It's kind of lost wind in its rally. Like it was rallying a lot a while ago, and that ended a while ago too. And it's mostly been in sideways volatile action, generally heading downwards. Bitcoin SV down four point one percent. Nothing surprising there. Bitcoin SV has not been doing very good since it was created in mid-November, and it's at sixty-three dollars. Cardano eighty-eight down five point two percent. Monero down four percent. IOTA down 6.2%, Dash down 4%, and then heading down the list to Dogecoin down 1.8%. Just a very bearish morning on the crypto market, not the best start to the week. And we'll see what happens after this. Usually there's alternating up days and down days. Like if there's such a bear day like today, maybe tomorrow will be a bull day, like at least slightly. But we'll see what happens. This is more than a typical bear day. Like usually when the market has these alternating up and down days, it goes down like a couple of percent, then it goes up a couple of percent. This time it went down more than a couple of percent. You could look at the total crypto market cap. It went down from $130 billion down to as low as $125 billion, And that's about where it is now. So it's lost like 4% or so. And now it's only 25% above the bear market low. If Bitcoin does slide below 3700 we could be talking... A retest of those bear market lows and that's always possible until the bear market ends and the bear market is clearly not over until we see a long-term consistent rally 
So yeah, $3,700 is the level to watch today. If Bitcoin keeps dipping into that level and eating away the buy support and then it crashes below it, that's not a good sign. We could see even more drops today. But if it can maintain at 3700 or above, that will give it a chance to rise back up to 4200 Now for the first news story of the day. We got a heartwarming story about the Lightning Torch. So the Lightning Torch was started by Holdonut on Twitter. And he uh, basically sent 100,000 Satoshis on the Lightning Network to someone else. And he said, hey, you add 10,000 Satoshis and then send it to someone else. And they've been doing that for a while, like between hundreds of people now. It's called the Lightning Network Trust Chain. And it's kind of like an exercise of like how useful the Lightning Network is and how many important people use it. Because they mostly been sending it between like crypto influencers and major people and billionaires and stuff. So they're just kind of proving like, hey, all these important people use the Lightning Network. It also shows that the Lightning Network is functional. And it's also like Holdenot said in his original post, like, let's see how much we could add to this until it breaks before someone just steals it. So they mostly been sending it to people with like so much money they wouldn't steal the torch. But eventually, you know, it'll probably come to an end. But that's not the point of today's story. So there was someone in Iran that really wanted the lightning torch. But then someone else said, no, I can't send it to Iran because of the United States sanctions. And that's kind of true. You're not allowed to send money into Iran, even if the person there is very trustworthy. And then people were saying, and it's true, like, that's kind of sad. You got two peaceful people here. You know, one's over here and one's in Iran. And they can't like, transact with each other because of the government. So the first person said, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to get in trouble. But then someone else said, okay, I'm sending it to Iran. So they sent the lightning torch to Iran. And then the person in Iran sent it to another person in Iran. I'm sure some people are getting anxious at this point because it means that everyone that like contributed to the lightning torch was actually sent some money to Iran inadvertently. But then the person in Iran sent the lightning torch to Israel. And of course, Israel and Iran have a long-term geopolitical rivalry. But it's just amazing, actually. So like someone... Just trusted to send it to Iran, and then I, the person in Iran sent it to Israel. So that's pretty awesome. Like, if only the countries could work together so well. If only Iran and Israel, the governments themselves, could like be like friendly like that. But at least on a human level, individuals between Iran and Israel could be friendly and pass the lightning trust chain to each other. So that was a pretty heartwarming story from this morning. Another story for today is that our chain, which was kind of like an Ethereum competitor. Or something that never really competed with Ethereum. They raised like $22.2 million in 2018 from their initial coin offering for, I believe, RHOC token. And then they apparently spent like all that money and then some. Like they're actually in debt. Like they have negative money right now. So like this ICO project that was supposed to compete with Ethereum lasted less than a year. Pretty much. Like they're still existing right now. They actually have like a million dollars of cash on hand or like a million and a half. But they actually owe it to someone. So the only thing they accomplished, apparently, is they're creating R-Song, which is a D-app that stores music on the blockchain and allows users to rent it. It's kind of like iTunes on the blockchain. And I don't think that's going to be very competitive because iTunes and Spotify and Pandora, there's plenty of places that give music for free and then also YouTube. And then also there's plenty of places that are centralized apps that just do a much better job than any small company could do. And it's kind of monopolized between the big companies that I just listed. But anyways, our chain spent a tremendous amount of money. Like they spent like $5 million on a codec for audio. So, uh, they can, you know, launch this R song thing. And apparently they also bought like a million dollar house. And there was also some data missing on their, uh, financial statements. So I think if they were audited, it probably wouldn't go too well based on this data. And in general, our chain is just another coin that has joined, the dead ICO coins, and you could probably call it a shit coin, 
just because of the way it was managed. Like, we see plenty of projects like this where the idea was good. You know, people invested tens of millions of dollars into it, and then they just kind of squandered the opportunity. So here's another one, Archain. Moving on to the next story of the day. Circle, which is a fairly major United States cryptocurrency exchange, is seeking to raise another $250 million of investment. They already raised $240 million from notably Goldman Sachs and some other people. And now they're looking for $250 million. And they're not the only ones. Uh, Kraken is looking to raise $100 million. And that's another United States exchange. And then Coinbase recently raised $300 million. So we see these big centralized crypto exchanges in the United States that have taken over the Bitcoin dealing market, raising hundreds of millions of dollars. And I'm personally wondering, why do they need all that money? Because in the past, there used to be Bitcoin dealers peer-to-peer before all these exchanges came to be. Or even when the exchanges were around, Bitcoin dealing was legal and allowed in the early days, like before 2014 or around 2014 is when the dividing line was, when the government decided, hey, Bitcoin dealing is illegal. They said everyone needs a money transmitter license and a money service business. So they didn't say it's illegal. They just said you got to get this and that. But then you needed like a lot of money in the bank, like hundreds of thousands of dollars in order to get the license and stuff like that. And you got to pay like fees of at least like 50,000, maybe a hundred thousand after the lawyer fees. So like they made it like such a impossible barrier for like any individual person, even if they're pretty wealthy and successful, they made it like impossible for individuals to have their own Bitcoin dealing business. And they took the Bitcoin dealing business away from Bitcoin dealers, which were running profits. And these Bitcoin dealers literally were probably like sitting at home on a computer and they were trustworthy And that's why they were successful. And they were making plenty of profits, like lots of money. They were making a living and then some from, you know, dealing Bitcoin. And they didn't need any investment to do that, usually. So, and now we have these big companies that control the entire market. Like, literally, they took the entire market away from the Bitcoin dealers, gave it to the big exchanges. And somehow, these big exchanges uh, need investment. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, they own that whole market, that whole juicy market that was making so much money for Bitcoin dealers. Like, it's divided up between, like, a handful of companies now, pretty much. And somehow, they aren't making enough money that they actually need hundreds of millions of dollars of investment. I'm personally skeptical about this. It's like, they probably don't need hundreds of millions of dollars of investment, but since they control the whole market, and it's the only way to invest in the Bitcoin exchanging and dealing market people are investing in them. It's kind of like, hey, we can get the investment because people want to invest in us and we're going to take the investment. That's what they're kind of saying, even though they don't need it. Because the Bitcoin dealing market, which they completely own now between a handful of companies, maybe like two handfuls or something overall, but it's mostly between like Circle and Coinbase and maybe like the Gemini Exchange and something and Kraken. That's about it. There's a few smaller companies and maybe like many smaller companies, but nothing compared to Coinbase. So Coinbase controls the entire market pretty much, and then Circle and Kraken, and they still need hundreds of millions of dollars of investment. I think it's like a cash grab, and I don't really understand it. Why would they choose to be saddled with such debt instead of just making tremendous profits on the market, which is easy to do for them because they have like a monopoly. The government gave them a monopoly over Bitcoin dealing and Bitcoin trading, Because they said individuals cannot do it, so now they're the only ones allowed to do it, and they should be making tremendous amounts of money, and they probably are, and they still ask for hundreds of millions of dollars in investment. So it kind of blows my mind, and I'm not sure exactly what's going on here, but something smells fishy. In other news, with Coinbase, Coinbase has acquired Neutrino, and this happened like maybe a week ago, and it's been causing major controversy since then. 
Because Neutrino is founded, it is the same people that make up what's called the hacking team. I mean, that's not much of a name for a hacking team, but they're literally called hacking team, and they're actually a big deal. Uh, Reporters Without Borders say uh, they're among the five corporate enemies of the internet, uh, and they basically do a bunch of human rights violations, like they rig elections, they spy, and yeah, they violate human rights, and they there's even murder cases connected to them, and then Coinbase literally just integrated this into their company, and this has caused a total uproar. Uh, so Coinbase hired Neutrino because Neutrino has like blockchain forensics tools because, of course, they're hackers, so they've developed ways to track Bitcoin, and Coinbase wants the blockchain forensics. Coinbase had other companies, apparently, to do this, obviously, because you need that for anti-money laundering AML requirements. You need to have some blockchain forensics nowadays. I mean, it's getting pretty 1984, which is that book where the government was, like, really totalitarian. It's getting like that with uh, the centralized exchanges. Like, they take all the customer's info, and then they track where your transactions go after that, and that totally defeats the point of Bitcoin. Satoshi would not be happy with this. Satoshi created Bitcoin, so it was like anonymous, decentralized transactions, and Coinbase is trying to turn it into like pretty much the same as any bank. So, the director of institutional sales at Coinbase was trying to defend the acquisition of Neutrino because there's such an uproar over it, and they accidentally said... They didn't really think before they talked, and they said, well, we had some other blockchain forensics firm, you know, tracking all the users' data and all their transactions, and then they started selling the data. So apparently Coinbase actually hired a firm, and that's like an undisclosed firm right now. They didn't say exactly who it was, but they said that firm was selling the customer's data, and that's a big deal. I mean, Coinbase is akin to like a major Bitcoin bank. It's like a lot of people in the United States use Coinbase, and then apparently the person that was tracking all of the data for Coinbase and where all the transactions go was selling that data to who knows where. So Coinbase said they had to get rid of that blockchain forensics firm, and then they hired Neutrino, which is a group of hackers. It really doesn't make sense, and it's scary. Uh, Neutrino, regardless of how legitimate Neutrino is or how legitimate they say they are, it is headed by a bunch of hackers that don't really respect the law, so now, like, all of the Coinbase data, all the users' data, and all their transactions has been put into the hands of a bunch of hackers. Who does that? Like, first off, I mean, worst case scenario, what if they just turn on Coinbase? Like, let's say a business deal goes sour, or they just decide, hey, well, let's steal everything. I mean, who knows what could happen? It's like, these are the top hackers in the world, and they're getting buddy-buddy with Coinbase, and, you know, that's really not, like, safe for security. And then besides that, let's say they just do their job. It's like we have some really aggressive hackers tracking everyone's transactions. Who wants that? So a lot of people are trying to delete their Coinbase accounts right now. It's the pound delete Coinbase movement on Twitter. Hashtag delete Coinbase. And uh, they can't delete their Coinbase accounts. So people are actually trying to delete their Coinbase accounts because they're absolutely scared of what's happening right here. And Coinbase won't let them delete their accounts. Well, some sometimes they would get error messages that say you have balances in your account and you can't delete your account until you get rid of your balance, which is interesting. Usually if you closed a bank account even, like banks are even better than this. So if you close your bank account, they'll send you a check for the amount. Coinbase doesn't even try to help you with that. They just say, no, you can't close your account. So people are like, okay, let's like drain our account. So people have drained their accounts completely where there's nothing in it and they still can't close their account. And then even worse, there's like an in-between or someone has such a small amount of cryptocurrency, they can't send it out of their account or even sell it or anything. And uh, it's like such a dust amount, they can't do anything with it, but they can't close their account. So I guess the only way, only thing they could do is they would have to buy some more crypto and then send it out of their account for that to work. 
But in any case, even when someone clears their account out of all the balances in the whole account and Coinbase, Coinbase does not let them close it. So right now, the facts are Coinbase has hired a team of international aggressive hackers to track everyone's transactions that are working under the supposedly legitimate neutrino company. And then people are trying to close their accounts and they can't close it. So a lot of people are getting really anxious and uh, upset over this. So I guess that's another reason not to use centralized exchanges. I stopped using them like, I don't know, four years ago, something like that. They've always freaked me out. Even when an exchange is working perfectly, you know, they can get hacked and I just don't want my crypto on an exchange. And that's what the proof of keys thing was about. So in January, early January, there was a hashtag proof of keys and they were telling everyone to take their crypto off an exchange and test if the exchange actually sends it to them. And uncovered at least a couple of incidents that I don't really remember right now where, you know, there was like a company or an exchange or like a small one that, you know, was actually bankrupt and they were playing along the whole time. So it's good to do proof of keys because you never know if the exchange or the company you have your crypto with actually has the money until you put it in your own wallet and it's in your own wallet and then, you know, they paid you. So that's one good reason not to keep your money on a centralized exchange. And then beyond that, Coinbase literally has like all the users' data like their full identification, like pictures of their faces, pictures of their IDs, your social security, your birthday, everything. And they also, like, let's say you do a lot of business with Coinbase, those literally freeze your account. This has happened to many people and they ask you, like, hey, what are you doing with your Bitcoin? And then nowadays they're not even playing fair. They're actually tracking what you're doing with your Bitcoin and then they send you a letter asking what you're doing with it. So there's literally no privacy, barely any freedom. And now they've hired a bunch of hackers to work with them. I think that was a big mistake. We'll see if Coinbase reverses that. I mean, their reputation is being dragged through the dirt. It doesn't even make sense. Coinbase, besides all the problems I just listed, like they're, they used to be pretty reputable and trusted. And I would not expect this sort of thing from them. So we'll see if this continues or if it was just like an honest mistake because they didn't do the research about who Neutrino really was. And then they, you know, get rid of them. So that's all I have for you today on this March 4th, 2019 edition of the Crypto.IQ Daily Radio Show. Come back tomorrow for another exciting episode and go to Crypto.IQ for the most interesting stories in the Bitcoin and crypto space. Also join the Crypto.IQ trading desk. They have made over 280% profit since July in the worst of the bear market. And they post all their trades in real time on the trading desk and you can even ask them questions in real time. And there's a two-week free trial right now. So if you join that trading desk, you'll be a top trader in no time. This is your host, Space Marine, signing out. I remain in space.